BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bonner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick. With a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. In this episode, we sit down and discuss everything we've learned in the last year of doing the science of success. Review some of our favorite lessons and episodes, talk about the incredible insights we've discovered, and share some of the biggest common themes that have emerged from a year of interviews with amazing guests, ranging from FBI hostage negotiators to game theory experts, neuroscientists, world-class poker players, successful entrepreneurs, and much more. The Science of Success continues to grow with nearly 700,000 downloads, listeners in over 100 countries, hitting number one new noteworthy, and more. A ton of our listeners email me and ask, Matt, how do you organize and remember all this incredible information? Information I get from reading books, listening to podcasts, interviewing incredible experts. How do I keep track of all of it? Because of that, we've created an amazing free resource for all of our listeners. It's called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free by simply texting the word SMARTER, that's S N. M-A-R-T-E-R to the number 44222. Again, it's a guide we created called How to Organize and Remember Everything. Listeners are absolutely loving this. We get emails all the time of people telling us how great this resource is and how much it's helping them stay organized and keep track of everything that they learn. Again, you can get it for free by texting the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, or by going to scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, and putting in your email. In our previous episode, we discussed why you should not follow your passion, the two biggest pitfalls people struggle with trying to build a career they love, the incredible importance of deep work, why deep work is so valuable, and how we can cultivate it, as well as how you can structure your lifestyle to attain autonomy and mastery with Cal Newport. If you want some serious fuel to crush your New Year's resolutions, listen to that episode. Are you excited? Very excited. I'm really excited to talk to the audience, man. I mean, like, I'm behind the scenes here, but... Unless you're a guest, you probably have no idea who I am or a reporter that you might know who I am too. That's true. So the man speaking to you today, the other voice on the microphone who's with me here in person is actually the producer of the show. His name is Austin Fable. 
And Austin is kind of the wizard behind the scenes with the science of success. And he helps us with everything. The show would not run or really be what it is today without Austin's help and Austin's influence. He helps us find guests. He helps do a lot of the research and prep. He helps get all the interviews set up. You know, he's really been instrumental in helping make the science of success what it is today. And this episode is going to be a little bit different. And that's why it's airing kind of off track. You're still going to get a weekly interview that's going to be totally awesome. But this is actually going to be a conversation between me and Austin. I wanted to kind of introduce him to you guys. And it's going to be a recap of the show. So the Science of Success has been around for a little more than a year. We launched in the November of 2015. November 3rd, 2015. Nice. Yeah, yes. Yep. And so we'll kind of, you know, we'll count that as one year. And so we're going to do a recap. We're going to talk about everything that's happened on the show. We're going to talk about some of our favorite guests. We're going to talk about some of our favorite lessons. But yeah, this is going to be a little bit different. And so we hope that you enjoy this conversation. With that, Austin, why don't you say hello to everybody? Well, first of all, Matt, thanks for the very kind intro. I appreciate all of that. Uh, it's really nice to be on the mic with some guests or with, excuse me, talking to the audience. I guess just a little bit about how I got involved. So you and I do some work together outside of the science of success, but... Before coming on as producer, I was actually a big fan. So I've been listening weekly, like a lot of other people, and kind of taking some of these notes. You and I have read a lot of things like Influence by Cialdini in the past. So speaking a lot of the same language, and it wasn't until the meditation episode, actually, that really kind of got me, really hit home with me. First thing that I actually put into practice in my daily routine, and that's kind of what got me interested enough to like reach out to you about helping. Tell us the story of like what happened when you heard the meditation episode. So meditation episode airs. I've always, similar to your story, I know I've had weird brief moments in my life where I've just sat down and kind of like been with my thoughts, but I've never really had any sort of structure with it. And they're very few and far between, right? Like years. And so I'm driving down the road, I-40 here in Nashville on the way to my dad's house. And I'm listening to the episode on meditation, just kind of the impact it had for you, the method by Vishen Lakhiani and other guests we've had on. And it just, I almost pulled the car over. I mean, it was, it was insane. And going through like the scientific benefits of forgiveness and gratitude that I had never even thought of, it kind of blew me away. So I get back and I'm sitting there and I get to my dad's house. And I'm telling him all about meditation and things that like, he doesn't really know much about. He's like, well, that's great. That's cool. So the next morning I decide I get up really early and I sit down. I can't do lotus position because of my knees, but I, I followed your Spotify playlist and I just sat there and I went through the framework, you know, beginning with like connectedness and then going into gratitude and then forgiveness. And it was just amazing how like sitting there, I find myself smiling when I'm thinking of gratitude because it's all the things that I take for granted every day that I don't think about. And right, gratitude comes from within. So like beginning with like who you are as a person, like I'm glad I, I know right from wrong. I'm glad that I feel certain ways. I'm glad that, you know, I was raised properly, yada, yada, yada. And then you go into things like your health and then you always end with things like, you know, I'm glad I have a car. I'm glad I have a house. I'm glad I have a nice wife, a dog, all those good things. But the biggest one for me, Matt, was forgiveness because it was tough because I have, I've traditionally really buried a lot of things and they come up you. at the worst times, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I might have a grudge with somebody that I run into you at the mall and I've completely forgot about it. But now that I've seen you, I'm like, God, like, yeah, it's, that guy. it's really funny because like, I think, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about in this episode is like, what are some of the big themes we've learned this year? And mm -hmm. from interviewing, you know, everybody from bloggers to the founder of life is good to, you know, game theory experts, people who are neuroscientists, PhDs, all kinds of crazy guests. And forgiveness is a theme that has showed up 
again and again and again in a lot of different episodes. And it's something that took like, it really was a struggle for me to kind of, and still is to some degree, forgive people because I'm naturally like, you know, my family and, and, you know, thinking about like, I remember my, my grandmother was like notorious for holding grudges and like, just, you know, like if you crossed her like the wrong way, like you were just done, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so it runs in my family and I was very much kind of a very like, bitter, like grudge holding person before I kind of started down this path of, of learning all this stuff. And so it still takes time for me sometimes to kind of practice forgiveness and something that, I mean, the science is in, like, it's not really disputable that forgiveness is really, really beneficial, but it's definitely something that is, you know, takes a lot of work for me personally, at least to put into practice. Well, it's one of those things also where you're not doing it for the person you're forgiving, right? You're doing it for yourself. Because absolutely for me, it's, you know, I've got certain people that I hold grudges against for a long time. And I mean, they don't know I'm holding this grudge. Like the only one impacted by this is me. And it's not ever, no one ever thinks like, oh yes, I hate this person. That's such a great feeling like normally. But when you, when you can sit down and you can really put some thought, you know, in a quiet room or with headphones and music and really think about these things that just kind of irk you and they don't really matter and kind of let them go. It's amazing. And so then to kind of round out my story, I began making meditation a daily practice of mine after listening to the episode, and that's kind of how I got looped in. And for me, kind of like you, know, you mentioned your grandmother, I've always been really afraid of this phrase, like being inside your head, right? People say this all the time, like, oh, I'm getting too far in my head. And like, that usually means you're overthinking something, you know, you're making something negative, you're thinking of all the bad outcomes. And now I like to liken your brain as sort of like a room. I can walk into this room and I never want to sit in here because I hate the way the furniture is laid out. I don't like where the TV is. Well, I can move the TV, I can move the chairs, and until you really get inside your head in a positive way with the intention of making change, you don't realize it, but your your brain's a room. If you don't like the way it's laid out, change it. I like that analogy, and that's I've never actually thought about it that way. You know, it's funny, though, because I feel like, I mean, obviously, I think we both practice meditation and all that kind of stuff. For me, I still feel like naturally I'm a very sort of cerebral person. And one of the things that I've taken away from from a number of guests this year is kind of how to cultivate more like body awareness. And I had this really interesting insight a couple, maybe like a week or two ago. And it was this idea that like, and I still feel like, you know, if there's some sort of balance between like being in my head and like being in my body, quote unquote, like I'm, I'm like 95% in my head to the point. And I think it was actually Megan Bruneau has a really good quote that I'm going to paraphrase it, but she basically said something like for people people who are perfectionists and you know again her definition of perfectionism is not what you would sort of traditionally think of and I think I fell into that definition in many ways and, and got a lot out of that episode but anyway she says for people who are sort of perfectionists like they they're constantly trying to get away from feeling anything right like as soon as you start to feel something in your body you tap into these kind of mental addictions whether it's your phone or like answering email or working really hard or whatever to do anything so that you don't have to feel and that phrase really kind of resonated with me. And I think like what I finally realized is instead of what I had sort of thought of as body awareness prior to that was like this very mentally driven thing of like, what does my body feel? And like, <laughs> what does that mean? And is that okay? Right. And I kind of switched it to like, that kind of had this light switch flip on that was like, to me, like body awareness is just feel what your body's feeling. That's it. Like, <laughs> there's no, like, don't analyze it. Don't ask what it's feeling. It's just like, kind of go into your body and just be like, okay, like what's happening? And this, that act of feeling it alone really, you know, helps deal with a lot of those kind of, a lot of that stress, all those emotions that at least for me, especially like I sort of bury under the surface and don't want to deal with. Well, that's a really interesting point because I mean, you mentioned like perfectionism, it ties into kind of, you're almost fighting your emotions, right? 
you're so busy like analyzing and being like, why do I feel this way? Yes. But you're not yeah. actually experiencing it. Yeah. And how do you learn how to be better at something by doing it? So how do you better deal with sadness, deal with anger, deal with even positive emotions like happiness and not be too overjoyed and do something without thinking? You do it by experiencing them and not trying to figure out why they are and what they are, but like learning that like, okay, I'm angry. How can I use this in a positive way? Or like, I'm sad. Maybe I need to get through this in order to get to the light of the other side. Yeah. She also has a really interesting quote. Life's a song. You're not waiting to get to the end of the song. You don't put on your favorite tune sitting there waiting for it to end. You get on it you, to listen to it. And I think emotions are obviously a huge part of life. And if you don't listen to your emotions, you're really kind of missing the song. I'm trying to remember which, I mean, maybe it was, gosh, I'm trying to remember which guest said it, but you know, the only people who don't experience pain and suffering, and actually I think it's a guest who hasn't aired and isn't going to air until after this episode. So Ooh, I'm not going to reveal who it was, uh, but it's an upcoming episode that's really, really good. Basically, the only people who don't feel suffering, pain, you know, anxiety, negative emotions are psychopaths and dead people. <laughs> so if you, you know, as long as you're not in one of those two camps, <laughs> I don't I, think you want to be either. <laughs> it's a good thing to be, you know, to be feeling these negative emotions It's part of the experience of being alive. Yeah. And to round this out and kind of like one of the overarching themes I know we've seen, you know, every guest, like you have Jared Tindler on, he teaches you about how to stop choking, right? Like how can you keep your brain from sort of shutting off and then affecting your performance? And then you also go into more like mental models and emotions and every single guest seems to have one thing that's in common phrased in one way or another. And that's understanding these emotions is the first level to controlling them. Whether you're trying to become a better poker player or golfer or whether or not you're just trying to live a happier life or you're trying to give your customers what they want and not be reactive. I mean, it all seems to come from this understanding and ultimately embracing of who you are and your different emotions. Yeah. And I mean, I think we touch on that. I mean, there's many guests that have touched on that piece. And I think in the meditation episode, we talked about the idea that you have to recognize but, you know, we also talk about this when we, on the episode about limiting beliefs and, 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 you know, the interview with Catherine Plano, where we went deeper on that. You have to be able to see a limiting belief before you can fight it, before you can remove it, right? Mm -hmm. And in simply the same thing, like you have to be able to see the thought process, as Jared Tindler talked about, of how you choke before you can intervene and stop it. And the only way, I mean, maybe not the only way, but the only real way that I've found to be able to meaningfully develop an awareness of your thought process is with a practice like meditation, mm -hmm. right? And And cultivating that ability to sort of catch your thoughts and say, okay, well, like, whoa, what was that phrase that I just said to myself? You know what I mean? And these, these thoughts just flitter by sometimes, but if you can just catch on to them, you can kind of see like, whoa, there's a lot more here subconsciously that I'm not dealing with. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, a lot of those thoughts, if you're not there to catch them, I mean, they go almost unnoticed. Yeah. They, but, well, they but definitely they, go they unnoticed. Like, the impact is definitely not unnoticed. Yeah. I mean, they, that, that's totally true. In limiting beliefs, for instance, like, you, you know, a limiting belief about being unable to do something or not, you know, what, whatever the limiting belief is, there's so many ways that can manifest in your life, but that can easily just be lurking below the surface and preventing you at a conscious level from sort of taking the action you need to take. Mm -hmm. Right. And because you kind of just you feel this resistance to it or you feel like it's not achievable or whatever. And a lot of times in, the, in these just brief moments, you'll catch a glimpse of some kind of belief under the surface that's like, oh, that's the reason that I haven't been doing this thing I really need to do. It's because I feel like I can't or I, you know, my relationship with my, my parents like somehow shifted the way I feel about this particular issue. And actually a really good instance of that, which is is actually not on our show, but um, I was on the Positive Psychology podcast and did an interview 
the host, I basically like broke down. She had like this limiting belief about money. And I like in real time, like had a conversation with her for like 15 minutes and broke down like what the belief was and like when, you know, I forget who it is, but like basically it's just like you keep asking why over and over again, right? Ask why and then ask why and then ask why again. So, you know, you keep asking why until you get to like the deepest fundamental issue of why something, why you feel like you can't, or why you haven't done something really. And the root is often like 20 steps past what you thought it might yeah, be. And then yeah. you get there and you're just like, oh my God, if I had just forgiven myself for overdrafting my card in college and my dad getting mad at me, then yes. I probably wouldn't be freaking out about this. Yeah, yeah, literally. And so her thing was like, she didn't want to sell because Kristen, the, the host of Positive Psychology Podcast, she didn't want to sell because her dad was a salesman and like wasn't very successful. And she thought of him as like kind of like a skeezy, like sleazy sales guy. And like, she still loved her father and had a good relationship with him. But just those, I guess, childhood experiences of, of dealing with that had somehow kind of tainted her ability to ask people for money, basically. And that was holding her back from quitting her job and moving kind of full time into the world of positive psychology, which is something she's obviously really interested in. And been very successful. I mean, the positive psychology podcast is pretty big. It's funny because they're, they're all over the place, but that's a really common one is the sales. Like people have such a mental block yes. when it comes to yeah. a lot of these things. And a lot of it comes from past experiences with salespeople or people that you might have admired or, you know, coming off the wrong way. But really at the end of the day, when you think about it, I mean, this is your job. Like people are like salespeople. What do you expect to do? Sell. I mean, it's not like you're approaching Well, there's someone. also there's ways you can sell with more integrity, right? Like, yeah, and, and, yeah absolutely. Like and you, you can, you can ask people for money and like, in a way that's not, you know, skeezy and like causes people to be like, well, what's wrong with you? We'll provide value yeah. to them. Yeah. 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 Understand their needs and help them solve a problem. Right. And there's a bunch of books about that. You know, we don't really talk a lot about sales on the show, but. But one thing that's really, really interesting too, is you, you mentioned it. It's like how you come off to other people. Right. And that goes back to perspectives. Your example in an earlier episode, even is like someone cuts you off in a car and you're like, oh yeah. my God, who is this guy? Perception, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, the reality of perception. That yeah. was one of our early episodes. And it's like, this guy is a jerk. He just cut me off. He's going too fast. What the heck? Well, this guy might be on the way to see his mother on her deathbed. He's freaking out. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Likewise, you know, I mean, just to go back to the sales example, but if I pick up, if I call you and you're like, stop calling me, I hate you, you're the worst person in the world, it might just be because you're having a really bad day and it's not anything to like add to your limiting beliefs. Oh, I think... I think this is something I've definitely internalized a lot through many of the conversations we've had on the show, which is there's kind of two pieces to this puzzle. One is, is the, you know, I forget the exact quote, but it's basically like everybody is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. I love that. Right. Quote. And it's, it's easy to kind of hear that and be like, okay, sure. But like, when you really think about that, like you have no idea what someone's struggles have been. You have no idea what they've dealt with, you know, what's stressing them out in that moment and kind of causing them to behave that the, the way that they're behaving. Right. Sure. And so ideally sort of helps kind of create empathy or compassion or understanding for why they're behaving that way. The other piece of that is, is the idea that sort of in many, I feel like in almost every instance, like when somebody's really rude or angry, it's not about you. It's all about them. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I found this in a, you know, again, being somebody who earlier in my life was very kind of like vengeful and bitter person. You gonna tell a story about the guy? What guy? The guy you found who you were like on X date, I'm gonna find you. No, 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 no. That was <laughs> that was a buddy of mine. But no, that's no, no we're not gonna tell a story. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Uh, <laughs> don't edit that out. Uh, <laughs> it's a reflection of of what's going on with them, right? And like one of the most powerful ways to diffuse somebody who's being really nasty to you in like one way or another. And oh, there's a really good point about this too that I want to talk about. 
But like the best way to diffuse like somebody, you know, harassing you or, or attacking you verbally or whatever that I found just like is such, it just diffuses the situation in many ways, at least for me, is just be like, you seem like a really angry person. And I'm, I like, I wish for you like happiness and blessings for the rest of your life. Right. And it's wow. just, and like, the, <laughs> because like, it's like the, all of the frustration and anger when somebody's really mean to you, like that's their inside world, like spilling out into the, into the external world. Like it has nothing to do with you. And has everything to do with kind of the whatever's demons are haunting them. So that's a really good way to kind of encapsulate like the second or whatever, the third piece of this, which is like, it's really easy to be compassionate to somebody or like think kindly of somebody when they're nice to you, right? The way you actually build the muscle of compassion is to be really nice and compassionate to people when they're mean to you. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. And what's the quote from Gandhi? Oh yeah. Forgiveness is for the strong, the weak cannot forgive. And I think that's huge. Yeah. And, and it kind of goes into the same, same vein here is like, I think it's, it's not necessarily weakness, but if you wear your heart on the sleeve, on your sleeve enough to where you're, you know, externalizing these personal feelings and you're like, projecting them onto other people. I think that's something that, I mean, it can always be fostered like a strength, but that's a sign of kind of needing to work on these sorts of skills and like really take the whole world into perspective, not just what's happening with you. It's funny because we've come back to forgiveness, even though we were, we talking about it <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Yeah. It just shows how interrelated many of these themes are. Mm -hmm. And they are. And that's the great thing about a lot of these guests. You know, we give the listeners things that they can do to make their lives better. And it's interesting to see how all these different experts from different fields, there's always one or two or three things that really you know, are the crux of what. Exactly yeah. I mean, I, I'd say like, you know, we've both kind of put together just a short list of, of what we thought some of the biggest themes from this year were, but it's amazing how you can be interviewing an FBI hostage negotiator. And the next day, you know, you're interviewing a neuroscientist and they're talking about like very similar themes, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're interviewing, you know, somebody like Rick Hansen, who's a psychologist, who's a deep expert in Buddhism. I mean, that episode is, is such a fascinating interview, but I'd love to, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of this the forgiveness component and meditation. I'd love to, to dig into some of the other themes and kind of overarching lessons. Austin, what else for you stood out as some of the biggest takeaways from science of success in 2016? Oh man, there's been so many of them. You know, something I really love, obviously the Weapons of Influence series, I'm a huge fan of. I think that's very easily practicable. And then just one note about what you just said, reminded me of Chris Voss with the mirroring thing. It's like, once you notice, once you like oh, expose yeah. these things, you yeah. notice them. It's totally now true. I watch, I listen to podcasts and listen to reporters on TV and I'm like, my God, he's mirroring him. And it always <laughs> works out really well. But a couple of my favorite kind of overarching themes we've seen and we don't have to go through all three of them. To me, there's really like three of them. It's like weapons of influence encapsulates a lot of them because the biases are things that we see over and over and over again yep. that we tell ourselves, that we tell other people, that we project. And there's also mental models that I really like kind of going ahead and saying when X happens, I respond Y and I respond Y because I know Y has a positive outcome for me. Yeah. The other one I see that's very interesting is sort of this, and it kind of goes into the whole selflessness and taking yourself out of the equation, but it's like your ego, right? It's kind of, you know, Michael Malbison talked about it, great guest. It's kind of like removing yourself from the situation. He calls it using the outside view. And it's kind of like when I come to you, Matt, and I'm like, oh, you know, X is happening in my life and I just don't know how to deal with it. Like, this is the toughest scenario in the world. And you might look at me and you're like, nah, man, you do like X, Y, Z. Things are going to be totally fine. But for me, it's almost impossible to figure out. So like by removing yourself from it, you can look at it from the outside view and really yeah. kind of get a black and white sense of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I think that the outside view in many ways ties into 
all three of those kind of concepts. And I think the the really interesting point about the outside view is like it lets you really clearly kind of eliminate your bias from the situation, right? When you think about, you know, everybody thinks every situation they're in is kind of a unique snowflake of a struggle <laughs> or challenge or whatever it is. Yeah. And the outside view, which for listeners who don't know what we're talking about when we say that, and we, we go really deep on it in the interview with Michael Malvison, but the outside view basically is this idea that you should look at Instead of just looking at your particular situation, you should look at every situation of somebody like that, that you can find kind of data for, right? And so there's a really good example that I like, and we give a couple examples in the Michael Malbison interview, but there's a really good example that I like that actually Malbison wrote in a research piece, which we'll include in the, in the show notes along with this. But it talks about Tesla. And it basically said, you know, he looks at this projection that Elon Musk made that Tesla was going to grow at X percent a year or whatever. And he basically says, okay, like, let's look at the last 50 years of, of companies that had a revenue of, you know, a billion dollars or more. How many of those companies in this universe, you know, grew at 30% a year for a 10 year period, right? And he, he looks at like every industry, whatever, every single company, and there's never been a company in history that's grown at that rate, right? Or whatever. And I don't know the exact numbers, but the research study kind of goes into it. But it's really interesting. It basically shows you like, okay, well, like you can build a model and look at those numbers and say, yeah, we can grow at 30% a year for 10 years. And if we sold this many cars, you know, that's how we would get there. Mm -hmm. But if you look at every company that's ever existed, like no company that's that size has ever grown at that rate and sustained it for that period of time. That's kind of using the outside view to sort of understand your situation instead of saying, oh, I'm a beautiful, unique snowflake that the only person that's ever dealt with this issue. Instead, look at like, what's the universe of, of people or companies or whatever that have dealt with this and how has it panned out? Yeah. And you get a much more predictive kind of analysis of that. And I think the Dan Gardner episode is another one that gets really deep into, and his book, Super Forecasting, gets really deep into a lot of the tools that you can use or mental models, right? Which has absolutely been one of the themes from this year to improve and sort of sharpen your thinking in a way to make it a lot more effective and to make it your thinking specifically around prediction a lot more effective. And he goes super deep into that. So if you, if you want to learn how to predict the future <laughs> or at least predict it way more effectively than most of the talking heads you see on TV and most of the kind of world-renowned experts. Which uh, is shocking, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's really interesting stuff how if you neglect these mental models, you're like, I guess, these forces of the universe, right? Like these things that have been unchanged through time. If you neglect those, it'll bite you, bite you in the bud. That's a really good point. The, the idea of being unchanged through time, and that's something we talked about in the interview with Shane Parrish, right? Yeah, author of Farnham Street, which is one of my favorite blogs of all time. And he has an amazing, all across that website, they have a ton of amazing resources about mental models. And he has pages on pages of where he kind of breaks down and goes through a bunch of different mental models. So why don't you explain what a mental model is, really, for those that might not have seen the yeah. episode? Because it's, yeah. it's something I'm actively working on doing right now, which is which is why I'm really interested to get in, into this a little bit. But it's essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, okay, I'm experiencing X. Let me step away. Let me look through my list of toolkits or my toolkit with mental models, and you kind of figure out a framework on how to best attack it. Yeah, that's definitely a piece of it. I'd say that there there's kind of another component, and I may actually pause for a second and like pull up a, the actual do definition it. of it, or I might be able to just do it right we now. You can go into like Munger and like all sorts yeah, of so, successful people yeah. in the world so, all these things. Longtime listeners will definitely know, and, and actually, well, there's two pieces here. Let me go back to the idea that you shared, which is kind of things that are unchanged through time, and then we'll then I'll explain mental models. So the idea that Shane Parrish talks about in that interview is like, 
instead of focusing on learning kind of the tactics and strategy, like the tactics and the things that are, you know, constantly changing, like reading the latest hot business book that's like 10 things you can do right now to like get more sales. Clickbait. Right? Yeah. Like, and, and reading articles and stuff like that. That's all really irrelevant information. You know, if, if it's not going to be relevant in the next like three to five years or the next 10 years, or really the next like 25 or 30 years, why are you learning that information? Right. And so Shane Parrish does a really good job of describing this and explaining it. But it's essentially the idea that if you're going to spend time learning stuff, right, which I think everybody listening to this <laughs> is spending some time at least learning stuff. Bravo and, to you all. Yes, yes. But if you're going to spend time learning stuff, why would you learn information that's going to be sort of transient when instead you could learn information that's timeless? What does that mean? What kind of information is timeless? Well, there's lots of information that's timeless and we go super deep into it. But things like physics, things like biology, you know, some of the core underpinnings of psychology, economics, like these aren't trends that are changing in the next three to five years. Like, yes, there's new discoveries and things like that. But the core principles of these, all of these major fields are sort of largely unchanging through time. And so if you can master the fundamental pillars that underpin most of the major disciplines of knowledge, right? And we just talked about some of them, history, psychology, physics, biology, things like that. You can build an understanding of reality that is so much deeper and so much richer and lets you really, really kind of understand what's happening in the world and what causes things to happen, especially the things you either want to happen or the things you don't want to happen. And you can just be much, much more effective. We go super deep on that with both Shane Parrish and Malbison. But that concept is the concept of mental models, right? Those principles from all those major disciplines are essentially all different kind of mental models. And Charlie Munger is kind of the the pioneer of this idea who really popularized the concept of mental models and the concept of what he calls worldly wisdom. And Munger is, for those who don't know, and longtime listeners will know that I'm a big fan of Charlie Munger and, and talk a lot about him. But Munger is Warren Buffett's business partner. He's a billionaire. He's super successful. And he talks a lot about this idea, which is basically if you were to master the, you know, what he calls is like the 10 most important ideas, you know, from the 101 course of every discipline of knowledge, like those are all mental models that you can use to better understand reality and better achieve the goals you want to achieve. And simple examples that we've talked about on the show, every single episode that we did in the six part weapons of influence series, right? Each one of those episodes is a mental model. Right. We talked, we did reciprocation bias, commitment and consistency, social proof, authority bias. Every one of those is a specific instance of a mental model that helps you better understand reality. And I think that's, I mean, that's really, really key here, right? So like the point we made is, you know, we see so many of these really unexpected parallels between like a physicist and a hostage negotiator. And that's because there's these things that don't change. Like, yes, exactly. Hostage, like physics, hostage negotiation. It's not really... I mean, it is about hostage negotiation, but what it really is about is understanding the position that someone else is in when they feel threatened or in a high stakes scenario. And that's never going to change. People always have different reactions, or, you know, get emotional during certain situations. And these things are just, you know, like you said, I think the best thing is like if you could take a one-on-one course on everything. That's the basis of what you need to know. Yeah. That's what won't change. And one piece of it too is like, you kind of talked about the idea of looking up the answers that, you know, and, and the beauty of websites like Shane Parrish's blog, Farnham Street, is that they have these kind of laundry lists of mental models. But the end game is actually to learn all these mental models and sort of internalize them on two different analogies for this. One is Charlie Munger calls it a lattice work of mental models, where you basically have these, these understandings of reality, you know, things like authority bias or things like social proof, and you array them in your mind in a way that they're 
internalized. And so when you encounter a particular situation where a particular bias is kind of called forth or like is taking place, you can intuitively recognize it, right? And, and we were talking earlier about mirroring, right? Mm -hmm. And once you've learned the mirroring mental model, it's really easy to see it and use it. And I use it all the time when I'm, I was in a meeting literally yesterday meeting somebody at a coffee shop and I was modeling everything they're doing. And I'm, I'm modeling you right now and you just noticed it. Uh, <laughs> but it's really funny that once you've internalized them, they become even more powerful. And so the end game and the goal is how do I consistently build a, what Elon Musk calls, and this is kind of the other understanding, a tree of knowledge, right? You start with the trunk, which is the really big ideas that govern reality. You know, and then you move out to the branches and then you move out to, you know, the smaller branches and then the leaves where you hang like little kind of pieces of knowledge. And if you array the knowledge in a coherent way like that, you can internalize and recall it and it makes you be able to think and analyze and make decisions way more effectively. At the end of the day, one of the biggest, and I've talked at length about this, but one of the biggest things that you can do to improve your life is to improve the ability to make better decisions. Absolutely. Right. And I mean, that's yeah. what this show is fundamentally about is, is to help you make better decisions and to get more information so that you can make better decisions. But you know, that in many ways is, is kind of like the end game application of Shane Parrish's concept that you should focus on things that don't change over time. The more energy you invest in your ability to make better decisions today, it's like compound interest for knowledge right? It cascades through everything for the rest of your life in every single, you know, all of the energy that you invest in making better decisions today carries over to tomorrow. And then if you add a little bit more, it carries over the next day, right? And it, it gets to the point where you can really efficiently both understand what's actually happening, see through the biases that are causing a lot of people to misunderstand the situation or not really be able to handle it. And you can make a really effective decision, all the time and energy you invest in that carries forward through everything you're doing, right? Your personal life and your work life, like any anything that you're working on, those dividends kind of keep on accruing in a compounded way. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. It's by far the best thing that you can invest time, effort, or money into is figuring out how to make better decisions. And there's a lot of a lot of information out there, right? There's so much information on how to do it. But really, when you come back to these mental models, I mean, this is the foundation, as you said. I mean, this is the trunk. Yeah. And without the trunk, the leaves don't matter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what the show's about, fundamentally, is it's about us finding people who we think can help us and you make better decisions. Yeah. Right. Which is made being a part of the show. I mean, so great because we're learning along with you guys. I mean, it's yeah. not like we have all the answers and we're, we're delegating <laughs> no, them down I mean, from it's, the mountaintop. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're learning this with everyone as we It's listen, totally true. And it, it's really funny. We talked about the, and I don't, we don't have to keep kind of talking about this, but we talked about the Megan Bruneau episode, which to me, I was like just blown away by some of the stuff that she said in that episode. And like, I, I, I've listened to it multiple times and sent it to, you know, some family members and other people and I was like look this was really impactful for me you know mm-hmm. and I, I'm sitting there doing the interview and like while it's happening I'm like man like, this is like I'm really learning a lot like you know in some instances you know we will definitely bring a guest on the show that we're both familiar with and kind of want to share their message with you but in some instances you know we kind of know who the guest is but we might not really I have no idea sort of what fruit the interview is going to bear and sure. and I think we've both had moments after the interview where we were kind of like looking at each other like wow like <laughs> yeah. that was awesome like I can't believe I just learned all this stuff so you know we're along on the journey with everybody that's listening and it's really cool too because you know you can read everything they have and you can understand the message but until you're actually speaking to the person like the human being you get a lot more out of it too and you learn things like where they became inspired where they yeah. learned these things how they manage to apply them to their own lives. And then a lot of times you really get the underlying stories that are really neat, like potential spoiler alert. You know, we had Kamal Ravikant on the podcast recently and it's yeah, like, he, you, learn, <laughs> you learn the stories and the experiences behind what he writes, which you can read everything that he's written and still get the message, but it's just a whole nother level to be like, wow, like 
you know, you're a human being actually. And it's, yeah. it's very cool. And I think, you know, the other piece of that too is a lot of times when you're, you know, when you're reading a book or whatever else, like you, you can kind of get the idea, but you're like, well, what about this thing that you, mm-hmm. they, they kind of, they didn't really address. And the beauty of being able to actually ask them is like, you can really dig in and be like, yeah, I get your main point, but like, have you thought about X? And they're like, yeah, I did think about that. And like, here's, you know. And it's neat to see their thought process. Cause it's like, you know, I mentioned that, what's your take on it? And then they kind of go into theirs and you get a whole different perspective. So we've got a couple of things, you know, we've got mental models. We've obviously got the outside view kind of removing your ego, then emotions, which is kind of its own jar of cookies, like Pandora's box. Yeah. How to control, <laughs> so how much to stuff. Control yeah. them, how to use them. One of my push them down yeah. if you need to at times. I mean, one of my favorite episodes that we did about emotion. And it's funny because the title doesn't say anything about emotion, but my wife actually made a comment about this, but the Docker Keltner episode was so good about emotional, you know, just understanding your emotions And, and the title, which is the science of power, right? Doesn't really talk about that at all, which is part of, you know, the, the challenge of these titles is we get one sentence to convey like, so much more than that. And well, one I, thing for the audience they might not know is if they haven't listened to it is that Docker actually consulted on the movie Inside Out, yes. which is which is like all about emotions. If you haven't seen it, I know we've seen it. I, I, I cannot recommend that movie enough. You'll laugh, you'll cry. But it, behind all the Pixar and the animation, it really is a very interesting way of looking at your emotions as, you know, almost like people and characters and how they influence each other and, you know, compound on one another and maybe even some of this lead to others. One of these crazy, you know, one of the things my wife said to me about that interview, because I make her listen to (laughs) many of the episodes. No, she likes listening to them, but (laughs) she's going to hear this and be like, I listen to your episodes. (laughs) (laughs) She was kind of listening to the first half and, and she didn't really care much about acquiring power, I guess. But then she listened to the second half and she's like, that was a totally different interview. And it was amazing. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he was a fascinating guest, but yeah, the second half, we got really deep on kind of the whole emotional piece of it. Yeah. Which is huge. And honestly, it's not what you would think. And that's another great thing about the show is a lot of times you find out that what you might just see on the surface isn't even half of the story. And I think one of the biggest lessons for me, and, and we've seen this theme recur with a number of guests, including uh, the interview we did with Peter Shallard, including mm-hmm. Cal Newport and several others. And this definitely applies to the acquisition of wisdom and kind of building a framework of mental models. There's no such thing as kind of a get rich quick scheme, or there's no such thing as, as you know, for your mind, right? Or there's no such thing as kind of a get smart quick scheme. There's no way that you can short circuit a lot of this stuff. Like it just takes time. It just takes hard, deep work. It just takes energy and focus. And that to me was, was one of the recurring themes that I think we've seen in a number of different interviews that I've really internalized. And, and it's something that I've, you know, I've learned in my life many times. It's, there's no shortcuts to real wisdom and there's no shortcuts to, to knowledge, right? You really have to put in the work and you have to put in the time and effort and you have to think about it and you have to use deliberate practice, right? Which is something we've talked about a lot on the show too. And there's no way around that. No. And I remember actually when Peter came on, of course, you and I both know Peter Gray guy yeah his his advice was like well i'm sorry to your listeners but like the truth is really unsexy i mean the whole thing is you need to be accountable and actually get things done and then same thing with cal the other day i was fascinating guest it's that you know like you said there's no easy way around it and the most value comes from things that are going to be hard but because they're hard the majority of people never attempt them which in turn makes those skills valuable so 
you know, you might be able to sit there and think, oh, well, if I can do this, you know, this is pretty easy. I'll do that. I'm getting some work done and I feel good about myself. Well, that might be fine every now and again, but to really make yourself valuable, to really understand these mental models and ultimately acquire skills that are going to help you move through life. You really have to sit down and you have to take the time to learn them. And like I just yeah. said, it's the fact that 90% of the people won't do that that makes you the top 10%. Yeah, exactly. Which is amazing. And I mean, for, for people who are listening to this right now, you know, you know, I guarantee you not everybody who's listening is going to go out and really concretely apply this stuff and really learn and build that kind of deep we mastery. Hope you do. Yeah, I hope you do because you will reap tremendous rewards from it. But for those of you who don't, you know, in many ways, thank you because the people who do do reap huge rewards from it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Cal talks a lot about that in, in deep work. And we go into that a lot in his episode about the fact that this ability to sort of concentrate and create really high leverage output is something that is increasingly rare because of things like social media, because of the 24-7 constant kind of connectedness. But it's also increasingly valuable, right? And, and that compounds together to make it something that is really worthwhile to pursue. Well, it's interesting to go back to your analogy of the tree. It's like people are always hung up on what's cool right now. What's that new kind of sexy, yeah. relevant thing. And those are the leaves, right? But because people are always looking at the leaves, they don't notice that what's holding them up, which is ultimately the most successful. And the, the leaves, the, trunk. the leaves change with the seasons, right? Ooh, there <laughs> we go. And I mean, that goes back to the same thing is, is focus on timeless knowledge, right? Mm. Why would you invest time and energy learning something that's going to be irrelevant in two years? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And the social media aspect, that's really interesting. Cal Newport, I mean, he's not shy about it at all. He's never, nor will he ever have a social media account. And there's people that are like, you know, Matt, I got to have an Instagram page for my business. Otherwise, no one's going to know who we are. Well, Cal's a great example of an author and a speaker who is very sought after, has great wisdom, yet like you're not going to find him on Facebook. You're not going to find him on Instagram, Twitter. I mean, you can see, you can find his email address online, but pretty much, you know, email is about as digital as he gets. Yeah. So we've got mental models. We've got kind of the outside view of things. We have emotions. And then we also have decision making and achieving goals. And one of the things we really proud ourselves on this show is tactics. Things yeah. that you can actually do. Yeah. What are some of your favorite tactics that you've seen through the past years? Things that you actually, you know, implement on like almost a granular level that have really kind of stuck with you? That's really interesting. That's a great question. You know, the things that, that I feel like some of the best kind of tactics and strategies, and I, you know, that's kind of why and it's not every interview, but most interviews I try to ask the guests, like what's one simple thing that somebody listening can do right now, you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. start today. One of my favorite tactics is actually something that it wasn't from a guest interview, but we did the interview on the neuroscience behind Einstein and Isaac Newton's biggest breakthroughs. I love that. Right. And this is actually from Josh Waitzkin, the chess champion, you know, world champion, martial artist, author of the book, Art of Learning, which is an amazing book. You know, he talks about this kind of daily architecture around the idea of journaling, you know, and we've had a number of guests recommend some kind of form of journaling as a methodology for improving your thought process, improving your decision making. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a super powerful thing. And, and it's kind of the idea, and we, and we go in depth on this methodology we go into that in depth in the episode where we where we talk about the neuroscience of how Einstein and Isaac Newton got to their biggest breakthroughs. But the way that that happens is through planting a seed in your subconscious and then stepping away from the problem. I love this. Right. And, and, you know, the easiest way to do this is ask yourself a question of something you're struggling with at the end of the day, you know, at the end of your workday, take some time off, decompress, 
sleep, wake up, potentially sort of meditate if, if that's part of your daily ritual. And then before you check your email, before you check your text messages, before you get kind of bombarded with all of the things that are going to sap your attention, which Cal Newport did a really good job of talking about the concept of attention residue and how if you check, even if you just glance over your email for the next 30 minutes, a piece of your cognitive brain power is dedicated to processing what happened in that email inbox and you're not getting your full mental processing power. And it takes like 20 to 30 minutes before you to reset back to that. So before you check any of that stuff, you want to just do sort of a journaling session on that idea and say, okay, like whatever problem or question you post to yourself, just journal about it for 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. And that's how you really create meaningful and new insights. So I love the idea of kind of stepping away, which is very counterintuitive to like solving your problems, but even as relevant or as media as this morning. So we're sitting here, you know, we're, we're putting some notes together for the show. And I'm trying to think of, you know, points I want to bring up and things that connect. And I'm sitting there meditating first thing in the morning. And I'm not even really focusing on this at all, like my notes, but it comes to me while I'm sitting there. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, these two things yeah. align. And then it's very cliche, but think about why, you know, you always hear people like, well, I have my best ideas in the shower. It's like, well, why is that? It's because your subconscious is holding on to these problems. It's not like when you step away from the computer, or you step away from the paper, or they're gone. You know, they're in your brain. Your brain is still churning whether you know it or not. Yeah, and that's how neuroscience sort of defines and describes the creative process. And we go deep into it in that episode. But that, you know, that to me was, was kind of one of the biggest actionable takeaways in terms of structuring kind of a daily ritual around that. What about you, Austin? What were some of the biggest things that you took away? Oh, there's so many of them. But I got to tell you, I, I have a little soft spot for Chris Voss and the stuff that he, He's the man. he brought in. He's the man. Not only is he the kind of guy I think you could have a beer with, but he, he had some really actionable things. And I've always been really into, you know, like influence. I know we're both big fans of the Weapons of Influence. And then also one of my favorite books is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yep. And those are, you know, like it comes back to things that never change. Actively yep. listen. I mean, when, is the, when was that book written? It was like, back in the 20s, I think. Yeah. But it's still like a top seller. It still makes its way into like Amazon top 100 books every now and again, I think. But it's just things that don't change, right? Like listening to someone, actively listening to someone, because there's difference. But for Voss, it was just neat to me because it's those are all things that you can implement, you know, almost in your daily life, like mirroring. Like you were just mirroring me now here. <laughs> yep. and now, and now I'm kind of like looking at you like, is he, is he mirroring my hands over here? <laughs> but it's just not only that, but it also comes into things like how and why questions, which I love too, because they really get to the root of what they're asking, right? And, and How questions are great. Like, and it's cool so because powerful. I'm really not listening to you and I'm really not actively there unless I'm asking these sorts of questions and I'm, you know, really taking the time to actively listen. So for me, you know, he brings up the example. It's like, we want $2 million and we're going to release this hostage. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a great demand. But like, how am I going to do that, Matt? How am I going to get a chopper with $2 million here? Like, what do you think we should do? And yeah. not, not only then <laughs> am I like now on your side and the guy's like, oh, well, no, Chris, I thought you had that handle. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. But then you you force, you know, not only does it frame us on the same team, like, oh, yeah, we need to get that $2 million in the helicopter. How do we do it? And they're kind of now in your shoes and they're sort of on your team working with you. Same thing about why. And I love this, too. It's like if you're in a negotiation and you come to me, you're like, Austin, we're going to give you 30 days to hit this target. And if you hit this target, we're going to give you X. I'm like, well, what is it about 30 days? And then that might cause you to be like, well, you know, we've got this big thing happening on January 1, and so we need you to have it done in 30 days. So now I understand more about why you need it done in 30 days and what your motivations are. And there's a bunch of psychology research that shows this is a mental model, essentially. But when you just give people a reason 
even if it's not like you can literally make up a reason if you just say why or you say because X, Y, Z, people are more likely to comply with whatever you want them to do. And that was an influence, yeah. wasn't it? It's, just, yeah. it's literally the studies are astounding if you just put because in. Like I could be like, Matt, do you mind doing the dishes because I want to watch this TV show? And just because yeah. I – and that's not a good excuse at all. I'm not going to do the dishes. <laughs> but like because I put because in the I sentence. I feel more obligated. You're like, well, he's got something else going on. So now you know I'm, I'm off the hook on doing the dishes. That was really big for me is the how and why. And it's something that I immediately was able to do just even having coffee with someone like you mentioned. It's like, you know – how are we going to get this done? You know, and it kind of, it, it definitely not only diffuses a hostile situation a little bit and kind of brings you together, but it gives you a deeper understanding of where they're coming from, which, you know, kind of sneakily gives you the information that you might want, kind of gives you the upper hand. Yeah. I mean, I think, and the Chris Voss episode is so packed full of knowledge, but one of the, the most relevant tools for negotiation that I took away from that is just that the focus on trying to understand you know, what the other person wants and needs. And then that is such a critical thing. You know, whenever I'm in any sort of negotiation or, or working on a deal or whatever it might be, my focus is always around the idea of seeking, you know, I spend, it's kind of the old thing about Abe Lincoln's, you know, sharpening an ax, but I spend the majority of my time just trying to understand the other party. And then a very little time after that, if you have a really deep understanding of what they want and what they need, it's really easy to kind of see what the overlaps are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other themes that that really stuck out to me and was most impactful was kind of the idea of self acceptance, and that I think that and sort of self, you know, self compassion, self forgiveness. You know, we've had a couple episodes that kind of talk about this. The Megan Bruno episode was really good on that. I think Rick Hansen kind of gets into that, and the upcoming. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the upcoming Kamal Ravikan episode, which we've already recorded, was amazing. And, and all of those kind of really touch on that concept, which is something that I really got a lot out of. And that kind of, to bring it all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, yep. but forgiveness, especially in meditation, and we were trying to practice forgiveness as like, uh, you know, actively, forgiving yourself is the last, yep. is the last step. Like it's really the might, first step. Well, it's the hardest step. It's the sure, hardest step. There's no question about that. You're the easiest, you, you know, people always say you are your own, your hardest critic or you are yeah. your hardest critic. And a lot of times you might not meet your own expectations and being able to step in and be like, you know what? I didn't put my best foot forward there, but I'm going to move forward. And next time I'm going to do X is a really good way of kind of, you know, accepting the scenario for what it is and then forgiving yourself as well. Neuroplasticity was another one that, mm. that I thought was really kind of an interesting theme that came up again and again in interviews. And for listeners who don't know what that is, neuroplasticity is basically the science of how your brain can be physically changed by your thought patterns. And one of the core kind of components of that is the idea that this substance called myelin, which sort of forms around your neural connections, the more you have a thought pattern again and again and again, these myelin connections build up thicker and thicker. And that makes the connections like run kind of more smoothly and, mm -hmm. and more strongly. It's like oil for your car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the more you have recurring thought patterns, the more you build these self-reinforcing neural networks that make those thought patterns strong. But what that means is that you can literally reshape the physical structure of your brain with your thoughts and with mind-body interventions like meditation. I thought that was was just a fascinating takeaway. And, and the, the way that really concretely gets applied is, is in dealing with things like anxiety and depression. 
And we've had a couple interviews that have, that have kind of gone into some of the science behind that. The interview with Dr. Alex Korb, where, you know, he's a neuroscientist that studied deeply, specifically kind of the, the physical, you know, brain structure around people who have depression and anxiety. And he talks a lot about how and, and gives very specific instances of how you can use the science of neuroplasticity to remap your brain. The other interview that goes really deep on that, which was an amazing conversation, was the interview with Rick Hansen. The and he's such a sharp guy. And you know, the title of that interview, again, is kind of one of those titles that doesn't nearly give away all of what we talk about. It's such a rich and, and detailed conversation. You know, I mean, he goes from, you know, quoting the Buddha to talking about ego and all kinds of really interesting stuff. The definition of the self, like it goes really deep down the rabbit hole. Well, it's interesting about like, you know, remapping your brain. Your brain is kind of like a muscle. Like you said, you can kind of rewire it to think differently. And our brains, and correct me, I want you to speak to the audience about this, but your brain's kind of hardwired to make you suffer. Yeah, in many ways. And I mean, that's, we talk about that. That's one of the talking points, I think, in the Rick Hansen episode. You know, your brain, and this is actually, <laughs> we're going all the way back to the very first episode <laughs> of the podcast, which, if you guys haven't listened, it's actually a, not a bad episode. It's, it's not one with a guest. It's just me rambling on. But it's called The Biological Limits of the Human Mind. And basically, you know, what that means is your brain was designed via the process of evolution for one very specific outcome. And, was that, and that was for you to survive to a reproductive age, right? And your brain doesn't care about happiness. It doesn't care about you sort of living life and enjoying yourself. The only thing your brain cares about is getting you to a reproductive age so that you can reproduce, right? And so in many ways, the evolutionary environment that our brains were designed in over millions of years is completely different from the world that we live in today. And that disconnect creates all kinds of suffering and all kinds of unhappiness. Well, it's like back in the day, you know, Kamal even touched on it, but it's like a snapping twig was something that would like freak out your brain yeah. normally there to kind of be like, oh, is there, you know, is there a tiger over there? Do I need to run? But we really don't have that anymore. So it kind of puts your brain in a weird sort of hyper alert, but sensitive state. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're always looking for threats to our survival, right? And, and from an evolutionary standpoint, that makes sense because, you know, the way evolution works and I really, like, I think everyone sort of thinks that they understand kind of how evolution functions. But until I read this book, probably 10 or 15 years ago called Non-Zero by Robert Wright, which we've actually touched on in a previous interview. I don't remember which guest it was, but we had a guest who recommended that as, as one of their favorite books. And I think that book is the single best book that I've ever read that describes two things. It describes kind of the fundamentals of how game theory works, ironically. Well, not well when you, when you hear about what it's about, it's kind of strange. But, and it describes how evolution functions. And the book, Non-Zero, it's called The Logic of Human Destiny. And basically what Robert Wright does is go through the entire evolution of human society from, you know, hunter-gatherer tribes all the way up through the internet and analyzes using game theory as the tool to analyze it and looking specifically around the concept of non-zero-sum interactions, how game theory sort of shaped and impacted human civilization, which is a fascinating read and is really funny and seriously one of my favorite books of all time. But anyway, so... Sorry, I don't want to... No, no, no. Keep going. So what... So, all right. So we talk about remapping your brain, right? Like rehardwiring your brain. Like meditation increases gray matter in the brain. You can keep the nerves sharper. So what are the benefits of this? Like Wait, if I do this... Before we get into that, the finishing point on the whole thing about Non-Zero, which is an amazing book, 
And, you know, that like completely blew apart sort of the, the way that I understood evolution. And before reading that, I didn't understand it at all. And the way that it functions, like people think that evolution, you know, which is also often called survival of the fittest. And we talk about this actually in the interview with Dr. Keltner a mm. lot, but, which is, you know, kind of tying all this back in. But people think that evolution is, is this thing of like these, you know, whoever's like big and tough and strong is the one who always wins. That's not what it means. Literally, all that it means is think of it as like an accidental process, right? It's whoever happens to survive to reproductive age and happens to reproduce passes on the genes that enabled them to do that, right? It doesn't have any sort of motivation. It doesn't have any sort of like driving guide that's trying to take it to a particular destination. It's literally just whatever combination of genes and traits got this organism to a reproductive age and got it to reproduce those exact genes and traits by the nature of the fact that it made it to that point and did reproduce are the ones that get reproduced, mm -hmm. right? So if you, if you really deeply understand that and kind of apply it to humans, like we weren't evolved to be happy. We weren't evolved to be, you know, to take over the planet even, or to build societies or to combat, you know, social ills or whatever. The only thing we were evolved for was to make it to the age of like 25 or 30 ish and have children. And the people who happen to do that the most, right, happen to pass on their genes. And those are the genes that we got. That was a huge like rant, but no, but that's very <laughs> interesting as it goes back in. Something you touched on the survival of the fittest. I mean, Dacker talks a lot about that. And it's not necessarily like the one who can overpower everyone else. It's not like if I'm bigger and stronger and faster than you. And that definitely plays a part in it, don't get me wrong, but a lot of how we gain power is by contributing yeah, to society. Absolutely. And those genes, you know, by contributing, you become more well-liked and thus you're more part of a community. And as a community, you're more likely to survive. So those genes end up getting passed along as well. And of course, the whole, you know, the traditional thought of it, like the strongest, the fastest is definitely not off, but there's also the component of contributing back to society, you know, being a productive member of the, the tribe that you're a part yeah. of. And I mean, again, if you think about that from an evolutionary standpoint, it literally means the people who happened to be in a tribal society where they helped and cooperated with each other, those people were more likely than the people who are like infighting and killing each other to reach a reproductive age. And thus they are more likely to have children that pass on those same traits. Right. And so that's how altruism kind of got bred into our genetic makeup. And that's, there's actually another book called the moral animal by the same guy, Robert Wright, who wrote non-zero that delves into that. But we've talked enough about that whole kind of theme, but it's really fascinating. And goes all the way back to the very first episode of this show where we went deep on how evolution has constrained your brain. And we, you know, we explain these topics and kind of go deeper into it. And the Dacker Keltner interview also gets really deep on that. So back to the whole, you know, remapping your brain and all that as well. So what are the benefits? I mean, our brain is obviously hardwired for a world that we don't live in anymore, that we're not really forced to be a part of anymore. And that's, you know, the, the traditional like hunter gatherer survival sort of way. So by remapping your brain, how can we like level up our lives and live in this society better? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the most obvious intervention and, and the two or three interviews we have that talk about this are for people who are struggling and suffering, right? With things like anxiety, things like depression, which are brain states that can either sort of come about or that, you know, sort of manifest themselves. You can literally change the physical structure of your brain to remap it so that you can get out of that state of suffering. So I think that's the simplest and, and the easiest application. More broadly, and in the meditation episode and the show notes page of that specifically, we have so much, there's like 20 studies that are cited there about how meditation, you know, adds gray matter to your brain in areas about cognitive processing and decision making and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I think it's, it's the simplest 
way to apply neuroplasticity is if you're if you're in pain or suffering or dealing with something like depression or anxiety, you can help to restructure your brain and remap it so that you don't suffer from those things. And the larger benefit is for people who practice the kind of mind-body interventions like meditation that can reshape the brain and build gray matter in, in the prefrontal cortex and other areas of the brain, it helps you be more calm. It helps you be more rational. It helps you be a better thinker. It gives you more cognitive processing power. Absolutely, which are things that I think everybody could benefit from having. All right, well, that covers many of our favorite kind of themes, lessons, mm-hmm. some of some of the best interviews and, and some of the insights we personally kind of got out of all of the incredible conversations that we've had over the last year on the show. You know, I think to kind of wrap up, you know, it's, I'd love to just talk about for a second, like how much the show has grown in the last year. You it's know? been a crazy ride. Yeah, it's been pretty wild, 2016. You know, I mean, we're up to... I don't even know. Honestly, 700,000. Yeah, it's going to be close to 700,000 by the end of the year. And it's been pretty amazing kind of getting there. You know, we hit number one new and noteworthy and we've kind of just continued to fortunately land incredible guests to to be on the show and, and had the amazing privilege of kind of talking to them. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like we touched on earlier. I mean, these are, we're learning with you guys. Like we're learning with these listeners. It's not like we're the ones doting out this knowledge. We're just as excited for some of these guests as you all are. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe more excited. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But yeah, you know, I mean, I think to start out, obviously we'd love to, to thank all of the amazing yes. guests that we've had on the show, you know, everybody who we can't name names because there's too many of them, but like just every single guest we've had on has shared incredible wisdom, insights. There's just been so many really fascinating people, really interesting conversations. And it's been amazing to have the privilege of, of talking to these incredible people. And so many learnings. I yeah. Mean, that's really our goal here in the show is to help you guys and to help you all learn and ultimately make better decisions, take control of your emotions, develop these mental models so that you all can live happier, more fulfilled lives. Exactly. And I mean, those are some of the major, you know, it's, it's funny because those are some of the major themes that come out of all these conversations. And we don't necessarily select guests around those ideas. It's just these are sort of some of the core you know, fundamental ideas that don't change through time that keep reoccurring across so many diverse conversations. The reality is none of this could be possible or would be happening without the listeners Mm -hmm. and without every one of you. And, you know, we, we get these amazing emails and stories and it's so great. And I really, really appreciate it, you know, hearing from everybody and I read and respond to every single person who writes in and it means a lot to us to to hear from you. And and it means the world to us that you listen to the show. And we've just been humbled and amazed at the traction the show's had. And we're so thankful to every single person who's downloaded and listened to an episode, who's left us a review on iTunes, who's joined our email list, all of those things. And we just hope that you get some kind of value out of this and that it's helping you be happier, be more productive, live a better life, make better decisions, whatever it is for you that you really want to do. We hope that we can, in some small way, help you with that. Sure. And we we welcome your comments and your questions if you have something you want to mail in. So don't yeah. be shy to say hello. Yeah. Or share with us something and, you might be dealing with. Yeah. And and as I said, my you know, I say this on every episode, but my email is Matt at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. I'd love to hear from you if you do want to email in. And and you know, one of the things that we we'd love to see or hear about is, you know, what do you what do you want to see more of? What do you want to see in 2017? You know, this was kind of an experimental episode. Did you like this conversation? Do you want more kind of non-traditional, sort of not necessarily interview-esque episodes? 
this is your show and you guys, you guys are why we create all this content. So tell us what you want. And we listen, you know, we've had multiple guests on that were recommendations or suggestions from, from listeners. And we went out and sought them out and interviewed them. Sure. And on the production front as well, you can always email me too. It's Austin at sciencesuccess.co. Yeah. A-U-S-T-I-N. Yeah. Especially anybody who has any media opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one thing else I'd like to hear, like on a real point is if you, if you, put one of these lessons or mental models or one of these tactics in practice. Like I'd love to hear some success stories. I mean, if you had a meeting that you just killed it because you were mirroring and now you're getting ready to go play golf with the guy, I'd love to hear it too. Yeah, absolutely. We, we love to hear all kinds of stuff like that. Cool. Well, I think that kind of wraps up this episode. You know, like, like we said at the start, this is just a, a, a very informal conversation. You know, we just wanted to sort of talk about some of the big takeaways we had from the show this year. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, it's good to be on. It's nice to be in the mic. Yeah, guys. Austin's coming out from behind the curtain, sharing his wisdom. (laughs) The Wizard of Oz. Dropping some knowledge. But once again, I mean, thanks so much to all of our listeners. Thanks. You guys are the ones that really make this happen. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. Listeners like you are why we do this podcast. The emails and stories we receive from listeners around the globe bring us joy and fuel our mission to unleash human potential. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every listener email. This episode was a little different from our normal episodes. If this is something you enjoyed, if you like the discussion, the back and forth, the conversation between me and Austin, let us know and we can do more episodes like this. We can have more conversations. We can discuss some of the themes from the podcast. You know, this was something new and we wanted to see what listeners thought of it. So if it's something you really enjoyed, if you got a lot out of this episode, please email us and let us know. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe on iTunes. It helps more and more people discover the science of success. I get a ton of listeners asking, Matt, how do you organize and remember all this information? Because of that, we created an amazing free guide for all of our listeners. You can get it by texting the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, or by going to scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, and joining our email list. If you want to get all this incredible info, links, transcripts, everything we talked about on this episode, and much more, go to our show notes page. It's at scienceofsuccess.co, hit the show notes button, at the top. We discussed a ton of information in this episode. All of it's available in the show notes page. I highly recommend that you check it out. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. 